Most people believe the Holy Spirit exists. But why don't we ever talk about it? We hear about the Holy Spirit, and we sing about the Holy Spirit. But do we understand who He is? The Holy Spirit is not meant to be a mystery. He is a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power source to tap into when we need it. It's about communion with the person. There are many aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth of who He is is painted throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of our everyday lives. And we are called to live in the supernatural. 1 Corinthians 8, 5-6, it says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is what I believe and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, Gabby's going to share a little story of something powerful that God did recently in her life. But before she does, the reason we declare the scripture is that we want to anchor ourselves into the eternal truth of God's word. This book is living and active. It's not just a book of the past. It's a book of the present and it's a book of the future. And it's anointed by the Holy Spirit for us to come alive in our relationship with God. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And we declare these truths uh, so that God might be honored and our hearts might be transformed by Him. And we often talk about the church as a house. It's a meeting place with God. And my uh, um, desire, and I believe God's desire this morning, is that you would feel the family of God. You'd feel brought in, not from the outside, but you'd find yourself on the inside by the Spirit of God. Well, speaking of that, God's been doing some powerful things inside the house of healing and restoration. We're going to be talking about healing from the Scriptures today. So tell us what God's doing. Gab. So for the past maybe five to six years, I've experienced chronic back pain and hip pain that stemmed from an ankle injury um, from playing soccer and I had surgery. And so the past five to six years, just experiencing a lot of pain, discomfort, tension, but not really paying much attention to it because I figured, well, I'm young and I can just figure it out later. But um, this past summer, I lived in D.C. and was with the team there, got to worship in David's tent. It was awesome. But it just got progressively worse to the point where I couldn't sleep through the night. I could barely walk. My There was really bad sciatic nerve pains, just all that kind of stuff. And so I came back home in a lot of pain, um, just really desperate for healing. And I started going to a chiropractor, and he got me on a care plan, started going like maybe two to three times a week, physical therapy, getting adjusted, and just knowing that, okay, this is going to be a long while before um, I see any results, but I'm committed to getting healed because I'm in so much pain. Um, And so in the middle of that, of course, I'm believing for healing, praying for healing, you know, going to Jesus hours or fasting or even world mandate, just, okay, power of God, you're here, would you heal my back? And just getting discouraged every time when I would pray and there wasn't any healing, but still believing God would do it. And so last month we had the privilege of having young adult pastors 
and leaders in our movement come to Waco. We hosted an event for them called Revival and Reformation. And um, a woman from Fort Worth, she got healed of chronic back pain that weekend. And she had so much faith in her heart and said, in front of everyone. If anyone has chronic back pain, I want to pray for you because I have faith that you will get healed. And I'm over here thinking, okay, I've been in this environment before. I've seen this happen before. I honestly don't have faith that if I ask for prayer that I'm going to get healed. And so I kind of let the night pass by. And towards the end, I felt the Lord convict me um, and just say, Gabby, I want you to honor her faith and I want you to ask her for to pray for you for healing. And so in that split second, I had a decision. And so I went, found her across the room. I was like, hey, Claire, I have been experiencing this back pain um, and a lot of pain still would love for you to pray for me. Kind of not really expecting much, but wanting to honor her faith that she had. And she starts praying for me. A couple girls come and pray for me. And literally within a moment, the power of God comes upon my body and I fall to the ground and just my back starts to shift. I can physically feel my back start to shift. My hips start to shift. A girl saw my leg grow out. I was like starting to stand up taller and I got up and started jumping up and down and all the pain that I had felt for years was just gone in a moment. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's so awesome. And so I, I just love that. It's just that God was like, I want to honor faith in the room. And it was because of that, that the Lord healed me. But my favorite part of the story is that I go to my chiropractor the next day and I was like, Hey, this past weekend I met with God and he, I believe he healed me. Not really sure what you want to do with that, but you can still adjust me if you want. And he was like, Hey, he's a Christian. Praise God. And he was like, Hey, let's take x-rays right now and check it out. And so we took x-rays. We compared them from when I took x-rays back in September. And um, my back was originally at a 50 degree curve. And if you know anything about backs, it's a really unhealthy curve. And um, he said a healthy curve is between 40 and 45 degrees. And we compared it with the x-ray that we had just taken that day. And he was like, your back shifted five degrees and you're now at a healthy curve of 45 degrees mm. and your hips are back into placement, um, which is just crazy. Cause he was telling me that it takes at least one year for someone's um, spine to shift even just one degree. So it was the power of God that healed me. And I'm so thankful and am feeling great still. <laughs> Woo. Praise God. Isn't that encouraging? You know, God is at work in our midst. And uh, at the end, we're going to be spending a lot of time worshiping and praying. And we're going to pray for people's backs because as God has put uh, faith in um, Gabby's heart, but also physically touched her. So she's going to, she's freely received and she's going to freely give as as, uh, we will pray together for folks. So, hey, let's just do a little catch up for those that are new, maybe for those who uh, have been tracking with us. Uh, we are talking about spiritual gifts. And just as a little bit of a backdrop, uh, backdrop just always remember that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus rent the veil between God and man so that we have access, confident access, to mercy and help in our time of need. So the, the eternal truth of Christ alone to for salvation is the anchor of our soul for all of the demonstration of Christ on earth. So because Jesus 
uh, came and demonstrated the love and the power of God and then demonstrated the sacrifice that we would need through the cross and through his resurrection prove victory over death and hell itself and all the power of the enemy, we now have by the Holy Spirit access not only to the heart of God for salvation, but also to the power of God for both redemption and restoration. And so when, the, when, when, the, when Jesus said, uh, as he ascended to the Father, that I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come on you, the Holy Spirit has now come. And the Holy Spirit comes to seal us at salvation, to empower and baptize us to live out and to walk out the will of God, and to demonstrate the grace of God through his spiritual gifts. If you've been with us, you re- maybe you remember our, the definition of spiritual gifts is the, is the Greek word charisma. And literally, Charisma uh, is two words, charis, which is grace, and the ma or the mata means to put in action. So the, the spiritual gifts are grace in action. When we pray for the sick and they're healed by the gifts of God, then that is grace in action. What happened to Gabby was grace in action. God being made manifest, Jesus coming by the Holy Spirit through a gift of faith and a gift of healing to restore her body. So again, all of us have access to the grace of God for our hearts and for salvation. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12 that all of us should be aware of the gifts of the Spirit. We should eagerly desire them, especially we may prophesy, and that each one of us have them by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 7, but to each one, everybody say each one, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody say common good. For one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another words of knowledge by the, according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healings by the one spirit. If you guys again have been with us, we've been exercising the spiritual gifts from the front and encouraging you to do those house to house in our life groups. And we've seen God moving powerfully. So last week, uh, at, toward the end of our service, we said, God, would you come and give us words of knowledge that we just talked about, about people's needs, and would you come with power and restore their lives? And we had many responses, and one of them was uh, Yvonne Ewan had this word about a shoulder injury, a sports shoulder injury. And a young lady came up with a sports shoulder injury, and she said, how's your pain? She said, well, I can't lift my hand more than this. They prayed for her, and she began to lift her arm like this and like that over and over again, and was supernaturally touched by the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you might be listening to that and say, I don't believe it. Well, it happened, but you weren't there. So <laughs> you're here today, so who knows what God might do? Uh, Another one, we had uh, a word about back problems. Now, what I do know, and just so you know, I'm aware of this, that there's probably uh, a third of the people in the room that have back problems. And I could call out that word, but there is the response of faith that's unique, and then the response of grace to pray that releases what God's wanting to do in somebody's life. So we had somebody with a middle back problem. We uh, uh, had a word for that. Somebody came, they prayed, and they walked out just totally free. 
And they were also an athlete that needed that. And what I love about God is all this, all the spiritual gifts are, are just uh, kisses of love from God. <laughs> They're just the compassion of God to care for his people. Yes, in our hearts, salvation uh, alone and eternity is all that is the beauty of God in his fullness, but he pours out grace gifts to encourage, to heal and restore us uh, in the journey. So, Today, we're talking about gifts of healing. Here's definition, gifts of healings as listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Gift of healing is to impart supernatural healing in a moment. So this gift of healing is, we have a word, sports injury, shoulder. They come, they pray. They had a gift of healing in a moment that happened. But healing also happens as a process over time. And when we talk about healing, it is physical healing, it's emotional healing, mental healing, and obviously, ultimately, spiritual healing. So sometimes we see a miracle in a moment, and sometimes there is a process that happens, but God is a healing God, and he gives grace for both the momentary and for the process. So when we talk about healing, we always want to look at the life of Jesus as our first point of reference and then the disciples of Jesus so that we know what to do as the modern day disciples of Jesus. All right. Everybody get with that? Everybody say Jesus. All right. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Everybody say yes. Right. And when we say I want to be like Jesus, people say, well, I want his character. I want his kindness. Please. We want you to have that. I want his intimacy with the father. Please. We want you to have that. But do you want to hear God as he heard God? He says that we can hear his voice. And the demonstration of Jesus was great power to heal, to restore, to set people free. So when we say, I want to be like Jesus, I want everything Jesus has for me, then come on, then step into the water. Remember that story of the pool? But that is a, the water is, is available for us to step into and be a part of the distribution of Jesus as we pray and care for one another. So I'm going to read a long set of passages here, Matthew 9 and 10, and I want you just to track with me slowly to observe the life of Jesus to heal and restore lives based on his compassion towards us. Matthew 9, starting in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, Jesus was speaking, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him. That's always a good idea, bow down before Jesus, good start. And he said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Okay, so he bowed to Jesus, said, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the power of Jesus. Jesus got up and began to follow him and so did his disciples. Did you think that they were following him? I wonder what's going to happen. They, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be there. And I just want to encourage you, when God's moving, you want to be there. You want to be watching. You want to be believing. You want to say, God, I want to see And the disciples were just those kind of people. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years, uh, other versions say an issue of blood for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. So he's on the way to the synagogue official's uh, house where his daughter has died. And, And along the way, this lady sees Jesus and she reaches out. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. Whoo, Jesus, if I can just touch your garment. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. 
So you've got Jesus headed to this dead person's house. And while he's going, a lady sees him, reaches out to him, touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus turns around and says, whoa, way to go. Your faith, I see your heart and I see your belief in me be made well. And she is made well immediately. When Jesus, uh, 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 and when Jesus came into the official's house and he saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, they were grieving, they were wailing over the death of this child. He said, leave for the girl has not died, but is asleep. So Jesus has a word of knowledge that this gal is not dead or God's intention is to raise her from the dead. And they began laughing at him. All right, so here's the deal. You don't want to be a part of the mocking crowd when somebody has need and is trying to get to Jesus. Be careful that you judge somebody else's need in the midst of God moving. All right, so a group of them are laughing at him, but when the crowd had been sent out, he said, okay, all the laughers, exit left. He entered and took her by the hand and the girl got up. So the first thing that happens Jesus uh, says, hey, she's asleep, not dead. He's walking and on the way, somebody reaches out. He just literally speaks to the lady, says your faith has made you well. This other little girl that supposedly is dead, he just takes her by the hand and just one touch of his hand and she's made whole, she's alive. And then the news spread all throughout that land, as you can imagine. And as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Big day for Jesus. Two blind men followed him crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. People say, I don't know how to pray. Try this. Have mercy on me, son of David. You are the son of God. Have mercy on me. God hears the cries of his people. So these two blind men are crying out, have mercy on me, son of David. And when he had entered the house, the blind men came up to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, isn't that interesting? Why would Jesus ask these guys a question? He knows what he can do, and he knows what he's planning to do, but he wanted them to articulate back to him what they wanted so that it was a relational transaction, not just a power transaction. The compassion of Jesus is made manifest not just in his power, but in his mercy and his loving kindness. He's wanting to build a relational peace so that after these guys see they have a relationship with Jesus that will last. It's not just about the power, it's about the person. And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And then Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about this. So here's what happens. So he's going to the synagogue official's daughter's place to see her raised up. He speaks to somebody who has faith. He lifts a hand for another one. These blind guys, he puts his hand on their eyes and they see he's doing a little bit different each one because everybody matters to him. And he is literally just walking with the father, distributing the grace of God. So he sternly warned them, don't you tell anybody about this, but they went out and spread the news about him throughout all the land. They just couldn't help it. I don't blame them. As they were going out, a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed and were saying, nothing like this has ever happened or been seen in Israel. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is not a formula to say that everyone who's mute has a demon. 
There could be little genetic things happen. There could just be a, a, a mystery. Something could have damaged them that was no fault of their own. And somebody could have a demon. Jesus discerned this was a demon. This was a curse. And he re- rebuked the demon. It left. And then in that moment, this uh, one spoke. And I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of seeing that, but just a, a couple of years ago, right before COVID, we were in um, Myanmar, and, uh, which is a, a country in Southeast Asia, and we were praying for sick people. And this lady who was, her, uh, she was mute and her two children were mute. And when you see something like that, it was generational. And so they, they brought them to us and we prayed and we said, Lord, we break every curse in the name of Jesus. Whatever curses over this family, break this in the name of Jesus. And the first one to speak was the 10-year-old. The 10-year-old began to articulate words for the first time. The mute spoke in the name of Jesus. And so we had the, the little one lay hands on the sister. He lays hands on the sister and she speaks. You should have been there. Amazing. <laughs> stunning. And then the mom got partial speech back, not fully. But then what happened is they were from a people group who had never heard about Jesus, who had all been, come from the villages to come to this uh, meeting we were doing. And then we got introduced to the whole people group and shared the gospel with everybody. And we don't know how many people truly converted, gave their hearts to Jesus from this Buddhist background, but it was sincere. And it was powerful because they were mute and now they speak And it's the name of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus that has done this great work. They didn't get this story last service, so be encouraged. All right. So then, if Jesus didn't already have enough going on, it says, verse 35, Jesus was going throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Man, that was already a big list. Now we're down to every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And if you've been around church a while, you kind of basically understand it this way. Send out laborers. And we think, okay, people to witness to a neighbor, to a friend, or to go to another country to share the gospel. And it is about the gospel gospel because Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching everyone. And he demonstrated the kingdom of God by healing all kinds of disease and sicknesses. So remember when Jesus is saying, send out labors, he's not just saying, send out preachers with their mouths, but those who lay hands on the sick with their hands. It is both the message of God and the power of God that demonstrate the glory of God. And so we're bringing both in the name of Jesus according to God's word because that is how compassion is laid out. So remember, the whole framework here is the compassion of God. The word passion in Latin means to suffer. The word compassion means to suffer with. So Jesus sees the pain of the world. He sees the sin of the world. He provides through his death, burial, and resurrection for our sin to be eradicated and our hearts to be healed. And then he demonstrates the power of God through healing, restoration, through uh, breaking curses off of people's lives so that they can experience the kingdom of God in the now, even as they wait for the then to be with him forever. Beautiful. But remember, it's always the compassion of God. So we are not trying to prove anything to anyone. We're trying to help people experience the tenderness of God. 
Several years ago, we were in England, and we were, um, this church was having a meeting in the evening and asked us to go door to door to tell people to come to this meeting and, and, you know, share the gospel as God would lead and pray for people. And we go to this particular door, and this young couple comes to the door. Laura and I are there with one of our teammates. And um, this young couple comes to the door, and we said, hey, we uh, are friends with the folks down the church. We're from America, and we're just going through the neighborhood praying for people. One of them said, we could pray for you. And somewhere almost immediately, you could just see the anger on their faces, and they cursed at us and said, what in the blank kind of God are you talking about? God didn't care about us, and they're just going off, right? And you just sense, man, there is a lot of pain here. And, and we, we, we let them kind of share the pain of their hearts. And we just say, man, we, we, are, we are so sorry. What's, what's going on? Where's that pain coming from? And about that time, a little three- or four-year-old boy walks up behind him. You can tell that he has some, some mental disabilities. He's got a little drool coming down his face. And, they, and they, they grabbed the little boy and they said, this is what we're talking about. What kind of a God would do this to a child? Whoa. We're now in tears with them. We are overwhelmed with the compassion of God for this couple and their pain related to their child. And you know what? We don't know what to do. We just say, I'm so sorry. That's the compassion of God. I just want you to know, compassion is not just power. It is sitting with people in the pain. You don't have to have an answer all the time. You just need to say, I'm so sorry. I mean, what would it be like if that happened to you? Just get in, just Spirit of God, let me get into their space a moment and just sit with them. As we just kind of sat there for a moment, we're asking the Holy Spirit what to do. They then say, yeah, that's right. I figured no, nobody knows what to do, right? You don't know what to do. And they said, and I can't even believe this little boy may die. And we said, what? And they said, Tomorrow he has to have surgery. He has colon cancer. It's, it's a, a knotted uh, part in his colon. And, and, and he may die. He has cancer on top of this. Can you believe that? And as they're sharing this story, we're just so overwhelmed. And, and I'm just saying, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I felt like God said, just pray. And I said, we're so sorry, but, 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 but we're just going to pray. And I didn't even just ask for permission at that point. It was just, Lord, come. And Jesus, would you come and heal this precious little boy, God, you, this beautiful little boy made in your image, God, would you heal his physical body? Would you take out this colon cancer? God, would you minister to this little boy? God, would you touch this family? God, we can't imagine the pain they're going through, but God, you're bigger than our pain. Please come visit our new friends here with your presence and your love and your care for this precious family. And that was about the size of the prayer there. And it seemed like the peace of God came. It didn't solve all the problems. Uh, I'm didn't, sure it didn't answer all their questions, but somehow God came and, and provided peace where we were able to kind of embrace each other and said, we're so sorry. And I asked about when the surgery was. and They said it would be in the morning. And I said, hey, I'm going to come by the hospital just to see you. And, and, and they were gracious, but it was kind of like, whatever. And, and we left. And uh, the next morning, I go to the hospital at about the time I thought the boy would be out of surgery. And as I'm walking down the hall, here the couple comes around the corner, and they're just glowing. They're like happy. And I'm like, I guess the surgery went well. you know. And I said, hey, guys, how you doing? They said, you won't believe it. They said, your God heals. And I mean, 
I'm as surprised as they are. And they, they say, your God heals. They said, I don't know why the doctor did it, but he said, let's look at the x-ray one more time before we do the surgery. And he put the x-ray up and he said, this has got to be wrong. And he got the other x-ray and he said, okay, let me check. See, he said, it took him a while to have people come out and specialists relook at everything. And the bottom line is there was colon cancer like a knot uh, like that. And it was gone, 110% gone in a moment. Wow. And I had a chance with that precious little couple to hold hands and say, I'm so sorry for the pain, but you have a God who sees and a God who knows. Let's come to him. And they gave their lives to Jesus. That's the compassion of Jesus, right? The compassion of Jesus is to sit with people. And let me tell you, I just want you to know, if I would have rounded that corner and, and they would have said, he didn't make it through surgery, or, or they would have said, hey, uh, we're, we're hoping for the best, but it doesn't look good, or whatever the result would have been, I would have been there with them because compassion is with people, regardless of the result. And at times, the power shows up in such dramatic uh, uh, demonstrations that it blows them and you away. But listen, compassion is still given regardless of the result. This is the life of Jesus. So this ends chapter 9, verse 38. And then we go right on to Matthew 10 because Jesus just demonstrated to his disciples how to do compassionate ministry, how to preach the gospel, how to pray for the sick. And then he says this in Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. What, I have, what you have seen in me, now I give to you. And then verse 7, he said, as you guys now go, preach saying this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. Everybody say freely receive and freely give. (laughs) What you have to give away is what you've received. If you've received salvation, give away salvation. If you've received healing, then give away healing. Freely receive, freely give. This is how the kingdom of God works. And throughout church history, their signs and wonders never ceased. Great leaders of the, of the church would see demonstrations of God and his power and his glory. And in this last century from 19, uh, kind of the early 1900s to the present, there is not literally a moment that goes by where God is not uh, delivering someone, healing someone, raising somebody from the dead all over the world. You may not have seen it personally. You may not have seen it uh, in uh, your experience with God, but I am telling you, uh, all over the world, the miracles of God are on display for his glory at magnitudes that we couldn't even imagine. And God's inviting us into it. And where America used to think we're the head, the rest of the world's already rocking and rolling, and we're, we're, we're needing to catch up with them. So God is at work. He he demonstrates it himself. Then he puts it on his disciples to demonstrate it. And then in the book of Acts, as he ascends to the Father, he says, I'm bringing the Holy Spirit for it not to be just momentary authority and power, but for it to be permanent authority and power. I'm putting my Holy Spirit inside of you, and then I'm baptizing and coming upon you that you may demonstrate my glory. And in Acts 2, as they begin to gather house to house, it says many signs and wonders were happening through the apostles, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Isn't that beautiful? So what we see, God 
what we see God doing and see God giving us the disciples is for us today uh, as well. Well, let me just kind of pause here a moment and try to answer a couple of key questions for you in this compassionate healing power of God. The first one is this, is God has called uh, doctors and nurses and mental health care workers. He has called them by his Holy Spirit to do their vocation for the glory of God. And it demonstrates compassion and healing everywhere that they go. So many times we say, well, you know, the doctors don't know what to do, so now we're going to Jesus. But my experience is this, is God has anointed these doctors and nurses in miraculous ways. God has given incredible um, revelation about how to do surgery, incredible revelation about how to do anesthesia, incredible revelation uh, to create uh, antibiotics. God's given incredible revelation for, for different medicines that we take that sustain us and strengthen us and many times heal us. That's as much the hand of God and the glory of God as a momentary immediate miracle that we see beyond what the hands of the surgeons can do. Throughout church history, it kind of went like this. In the plagues of 150 AD and 250 AD, after the emergence of the church, the the wealthy Romans would flee the plagues of the city and they would leave their loved ones to die. But the Christians would stay and care for their loved ones. This was the beginning of health care. This was the beginning of nursing. This was the beginning of compassion because the reason the Christians stayed and showed unique compassion for the sick is because they didn't fear death. Because eternity is in the heart of the Christian worker, they are able to do incredible things in the name of Jesus because we don't fear death. Then in uh, the 300s, when they, we call it the Christianization of Rome, there then became the emergence of hospitals. This was the first of hospitals where they would have wings for lepers and they had wings for, uh, for people that are, have certain injuries. So they began to learn how to do medicine out of Christian compassion. Throughout the world right now, you'll see Baptists and Catholic and Methodist hospitals everywhere. Why? Because God has put in our hearts to be healers and restorers holistically, not just in one dimension, but in all dimensions. So we not only celebrate our doctors, nurses, uh, um, and researchers, we just pray for them. God, would you continue to use them to heal and restore and have incredible revelation about into insights of how to be healers and, and, heal, and have healing communities everywhere we go. So we believe in the supernatural now of God. We believe in the the healing presence of God through medical professionals and through the medical uh, grace on their lives and because we want to create sustaining communities of compassion. So uh, what I want to do real quickly is where are all of our doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and obviously even our students that are training uh, to do that, you're planning on being a doctor or a nurse or a healthcare professional, mental health worker. I want you all to stand up right now, wherever you are. Can you stand up for us, please? Stay standing. Stay standing, please. All right. If you're next to him, just extend your hand to them. God, we thank you for these men and women called by God 
to show compassion, healing, restoration to men and women. We thank you the way they serve us. We thank you the way they serve this community. We thank you for the power of God on their lives. We thank you that you've anointed them with grace to be healers, restorers, and caregivers. We thank you, God, that your new compassion is falling on them, that a new grace of the Holy Spirit is empowering them to see their mission as the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere they go. We bless our friends. Amen. Amen. So we celebrate the grace of God on uh, our healthcare professionals. And then this other question often arises, well, um, you know, what about I prayed and they died? I prayed and they didn't get well. I'm still suffering and I've gotten 100 people to pray for me over the years. I'm still suffering. What do you do with all that? Let me just say... um, I have done hundreds of funerals. I've been in hundreds of hospital situations, devastating things. I've wept with those who have wept. I've rejoiced with those who have rejoiced. I've seen the miraculous, and I've seen the mystery and the brokenness and the pain of this journey with so many people. So that's why I'm emphasizing today compassion is king here, and God's grace is what we're looking for to distribute it wherever, wherever God would lead. But Every funeral I've done, here's, here's what I know. The person that died is not sad. If they know Jesus, right? Let me clarify that. As a believer, at the funeral, we are sad, especially if, man, they were too young or this was devastating or this was painful. We have incredible pain in our lives and mystery at times of trying to figure out what to do. But they're not sad. When we die and we're with Jesus, it says no more pain, no more disease, no more sickness, all is well. We believe in eternity. So when someone dies, they go into the presence of God and they get healed totally. So here's what I want to know. I want you to know every person in the sound of my voice is going to be healed one day if you know Jesus. So ultimate healing awaits all of us. We live in the already uh, of God, but the not yet. And when we see him face to face, we'll be totally healed. Now we are believing and and unapologetic. That is not an excuse to learn how to, to partner with Jesus, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the leper. Unapologetically, power of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not pulling back because of that statement. I'm giving you perspective by that statement that ultimately, in the end, we're all going to be in glory. So we can rejoice at the grace of God. But, oh, Lord, would you come now, and may we see more than ever of your compassionate hand today to heal and to restore people's lives. So there is much grace in the journey, and we want to walk with people and never condemn people for struggling with sickness or mental health or the anguish and the challenges, we're always wanting to come alongside everybody. And yes, there's contributing factors and things that we need to deal with, but we're always going to do it in the context of family, love, and the mercy of God. Compassion is the lead piece here. Well, let's go to biblical healing. We've talked a a little bit about um, the compassion of Jesus. We've seen the demonstration of Jesus. We've seen the calling of our lives to be a part of distributing the, the mercy of God. We've uh, honored our healthcare workers and how God uses them. We've talked a little bit about the challenges that we all face. But what does the scripture say? It affirms that in the cross was not just salvation, but also physical healing was provided for by the power of God. Isaiah 53 says this, 
Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his scourging, uh, we are healed. In uh, other versions, it says, by his stripes, we are healed. And when people ask me about what do I believe at the cross, I said, look, the cross was full forgiveness and salvation, and it was full power for healing and restoration. So I pray for the sick wherever they are, however opportunity I get, because the, when it says by his stripes were healed, if you guys know the story, Jesus was literally strapped to a pole and 39 times they literally whipped him with little bits of stone and, and flex on the end of it. would literally would rip the skin off of his, uh, off his rib cage and those stripes literally he bore and every time he did heal them, heal them, restore them. He allowed himself to be literally striped and his flesh torn. And then ultimately he allowed nails to be put into his hands and his feet. And he literally suffered on your behalf and my behalf, not only for salvation, but for healing. So I pray for the sick. I see in my mind, often I will picture the stripes of Jesus. And I say, I will pray for the sick till the day I die because Jesus paid for the sick in his death. And I do not determine outcomes, but I am a faithful servant to distribute grace. In the name of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, I would pray for you. And I seek God about how to pray better and how to learn how to pray. Because the suffering has been done so that the application can be given. Not just for salvation, but for physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, and the grace of God. Again, that does not, I am not the determiner of outcomes, but I am a facilitator of grace. Well, Matthew 8 affirms this this, this idea that it's not just for salvation, the cross, it was also for healing. It said, when Jesus had come to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. So he's rebuked a demon to get a mute person deal. He's lifted up a little girl by the hand. He's looked at somebody and said, hey, faith's made you well. Uh, this one, he just touches her hand, bink, and her fever goes. Wow, that's really powerful. She arose and waited on him. Maybe he just needed a little help, so he healed her. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Isaiah 53 might be fulfilled. He cast out demons and healed all who were sick so that Isaiah 53 could be known as a healing uh, uh, prophecy, not just a salvation prophecy because he quotes Isaiah 53. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, some of you guys are familiar with the story of a man named Dwayne Miller um, it's gone around through the years, but Dwayne was a pastor in Brenham, Texas, and he had uh, contracted a virus that took his voice. And literally, he went from preaching and teaching to where he could just whisper like this. And in the midst of that, he was depressed, discouraged, and they eventually found a little microphone that he could use. And he went from Brenham, Texas to First Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And they gave him a Sunday school class because he was such a good teacher and a little microphone where he could talk like this. And he is teaching on this passage. And his theology at the time was that Isaiah 53 wasn't for physical healing, just for salvation. But something happened that would change his understanding of this passage. Let's watch this together. 
So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So... The psalmist says, I'm excited, bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had We've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. Huh. Huh. Whoa. Woo. How powerful is that? He had two kids at Baylor at the time and been more than uh, so many beautiful testimonies that have come out of uh, Dwayne's healing, a dramatic touch from God. And the reason I love to play that is so that you say, May, maybe I haven't seen a miracle. Well, you just saw one. So now you're on the in crowd, not on the out crowd. You just experienced a miracle and I, 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 what I recognize is there's a shift in the room. Faith shifts when your faith becomes sight or when you hear it. It's the wow of God. In Luke 5, uh, it says the presence of Jesus was available for healing. That's a great scripture. When God stirs our heart, somehow faith fills the room. We say, okay, maybe, maybe for me today, God, maybe all things are possible. Well, we have a few more minutes here, then we're going to pray for everyone. Um, just want to 
run through. So how do we pray? How do we pray for the sick? How do we pray and participate with what the Father's wanting to pour out today by the grace of God? There are times that we pray. Remember we said there's the momentary healing and sometimes it's a journey. And um, there are times that we just have to stand on the word of God. Psalm 107 says this, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Other versions say diseases, their brokenness. And um, for me, uh, one of these uh, little journeys has been sleep issues. Uh, some of you guys are familiar with, I went through a clinical depression from 2009 till 2011, about 18 months. And actually through some miraculous uh, physicians, uh, they found the problems of that. And all, it was a, just a, a beautiful miracle of God working through healthcare professionals. Um, but um, for 11 years, I've been depression free, but I've needed to take Ambien every night. So I've taken Ambien for 11 straight years. And, um, and I have prayed and I have I've been in multiple prayer meetings and people prayed over me and I've quoted scripture for years and years and I've given it a shot sometimes, but it just hasn't worked. So it's been 11 years. So on January 5th, we're flying back from a mission trip in Florida and um, as we're flying back, I'm I'm just having my devotions and what I would call uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a gift of faith drops in my heart. I think it's now, the time's now. I'm not praying about sleep issues. I just have a gift of faith that, hey, I should just set it aside. Now, let me just make sure you say this. I talk to Laura. I talk to friends and physicians. You don't just go cold turkey off something from a medical professional's perspective. And I just want to really say that. That is not what I am saying here. I, I had this gift of faith. It was supernatural. It wasn't from me. It wasn't just give it a try, suck it up. This was God speaking. And so I submitted it to Laura, submitted it to some other uh, friends, and I felt grace just to do it. And if it didn't work, I would pick the Ambien back up. But for 45 days, I have slept without sleep aids for the first time in 11 years. In 11 years. That's a long time. It's the grace of God. But it was a process of 11 years. And just in a moment, that gift of faith dropped and the grace of God's carrying us in these days. Then obviously, uh, if you're familiar with scripture in James uh, 5, it says, Is there any sick among you? Call the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil. Pray over you. The prayer of faith heals the sick. And then it goes on to say, confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. So there is a place, and I've got my anointing oil right here, so we're ready to go. And um, where we as elders pray for sick people very consistently, asking God according to his word to heal the sick. But then I love that scripture, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. It's not exclusive to elders of the church. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray for the sick, according to uh, what we read in Matthew 10, according to Acts, the book of Acts. And and also, according to James five sixteen, if you share your uh, burdens with one another, then it says that the, the scripture says that God will heal and restore hearts and even bodies, I believe, by the grace of God. So what is kind of normal prayer look like? And this is what we're about to do here together. As we pray for the sick, remember the centrality of it is Jesus is Lord. Jesus has provided healing grace for us. And compassion is central as we uh, move to pray for one another and we receive his gifts and we give his gifts away. But there's a bit of a prayer process and, and, and I want to just take you through it real briefly. Call it the six-step process of praying for people who are sick. 
Okay, first of all, ask what the problem is. Jesus said, what's your problem? (laughs) If Jesus asked him what the need was, surely we should probably do the same thing. So Jesus' model, what do you need? What's the problem? So when somebody comes to ask for prayer this morning, you ask, what's the problem? What do you need? And while they're telling you the problem, you are in prayer. Spirit of God, I want to love them and care for them. Second one, ask how it happened and when it started. Sometimes you might, by the Holy Spirit, have some insight. It could have been because of a family tragedy. It could have been a car accident. It could have been a divorce. Something that broke inside of them, and now there's a physical manifestation that. It could be an unforgiveness issue. But we're asking the Holy Spirit, while they're sharing their story, uh, how we can help them. Now, let me just say, in the middle of this six-step process, if at any time you just say, man, I just feel like we ought to pray right now. You can skip the process, right? Jesus would say, be healed. And they were healed. So, This is just a compassionate way to consistently pray for people. So we ask what the problem is. Then we ask, when did it start and and how it happened? Then the third one is you pray for them. And there's two things I always say. You're praying two things. Remember compassion? We're praying the comfort of God, and we're praying the healing of God. So God, would you touch their heart? If they don't know Jesus, lead them to Jesus. It's always, I often will ask somebody, do you know Jesus? If they don't know Jesus, I'd like to get them saved so that their heart's full of not only faith for the moment, but for a lifetime. I might ask for their, if they know the Lord. Uh, or or um, uh, then I for sure will pray the comfort of God over them, even as I'm praying the physical healing uh, for their bodily need or mental need or whatever it might be. And then here's the big risk, number four, ask if they're better. <laughs> I mean, you're praying for the sick. I mean, it's a good idea to know, is it working? Is it a momentary deal? And it may not be. It's a bit risky on your end. But remember, you're not trying to prove anything by praying to this, for the sick, right? You're not trying to prove that God's powerful or that you're powerful. It's not about you. It's about their need. So you can ask them boldly, are you better? And, and they say, uh, sometimes we do the 1 to 10 scale. Hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, you walked over the pain at an 8. Where are you at right now? They say, well, we're at a 4. Then you, that the next step, step 5, you can pray again. Or they say, man, I'm great. Or, but praying again is a normal process. Jesus had a blind guy come to him. He prays for him. The guy says, I see people like trees. And then Jesus prayed for him again, and he saw clearly. So if Jesus had to pray twice, it's okay if we pray twice. Right? Back to compassion. We're trying to help people. So what's the problem? When did it start? Get some discernment from the Lord. Pray for them with both comfort and uh, uh, compassion for their need, and then ask how they're doing to get a sense of what the Holy Spirit's doing, and then feel free to pray again by the grace of God. And then this last one is so important. Whether they get healed in the moment or whether they are on a journey, I believe every prayer prayed in faith and compassion lands. At the very least, people should walk out of me praying for them feeling loved by God. And one way to do that is say, all right, uh, wherever they, you've landed in this prayer process, let's just thank God right now. Lord, thank you that you hear. Thank you that you've touched us. Thank you that you're present. And then if there's anything the Holy Spirit would uh, speak to you or practically to connect them. Are you in a life group? Do you need some help? How, how can we connect you to help? Because, right, this is a work of grace and a work of compassion. So one last story, and then we're going to pray for each other. Um. We were in um, the country of Bulgaria, and God was moving powerfully. And when God's moving, people start 
uh, asking you to come to their brothers and neighbors and uncles and anybody because uh, people need help. And um, we got asked to go over to uh, this uh, man's house who lived out in the countryside. And they thought they were going to have to amputate his leg because gangrene was setting in. So the red stripes up the leg. And he had a foot injury. It was about a, a, an inch deep. And it was oozing with pus and all that nasty stuff. And it had be- become infected. And he, they, they wanted us to pray for him. So we go in the house, and according to Scripture, we said they received us with joy, and they got coffee and tea out. And we said, well, you've received us, and the Bible says we're supposed to speak peace over your house. You receive us with peace, and we, we bless you. So we blessed them in the name of Jesus. And then we read the Scripture in Matthew, and it says we're supposed to preach the kingdom of God to you. So we preach the kingdom of God, talk to them about salvation in Jesus, talk about the power of the cross. They respond to the gospel. There's a heart response. And as far as they knew, they prayed with us and wow. So now we bless the house. We preach the gospel. And now it's time to pray for the sick. And we're asking Holy Spirit, what do we do? And I get this sense that we're supposed to take the wrap off of his foot and lay our hands over the sore. Now it stunk in that house because of the rotting flesh. It was nasty. The big miracle was going to be if we didn't throw up, right? But it's, that's what we felt led to do. So we said, can we pray for you? Can you take the wrap off? And they look around. They're like, okay, you know. They take the wrap off and quickly put our, my hand over this open sore that's all, got all kind of junk on it. And I'm saying, Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, heal. And my friends that are with me, they're praying alongside. Spirit of God, heal. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And we have our eyes open because, again, you just see what God might be doing. And the circulation starts coming back in the legs. You start seeing these streaks start leaving his legs. And then you start seeing it become a little more pinkish around the open sore. And then, literally, you see the flesh inside the sore start coming at you. I mean, all I can say, it started filling in. Where the hole was, it started filling in. It started getting pink, and the, 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 the streaks were leaving the leg. And I mean, we're as shocked as they are, just so you know. It's like, whoa, yeah, whoa. Really, it's just as shocking to us. And so this beautiful miracle is happening. We're like, whoa, and the whole household is, whoa, you know. And, and, and then it stops. So if it was an inch deep, it filled in about three quarters and it's a quarter of an inch still not finished and it's not flush and there's still a little bit of gap. It's pinkish, so you know it's healthy, but it's not finished and I'm, and I'm saying, God, and we pray a second time and it doesn't go any further and then I wise enough to say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to know? Tell him I'll heal him in the morning. I'll finish the work tonight. And the reason I'm doing it is so that he will know that it's not you who healed him, but it's me. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We leave that house rejoicing. The next morning we call back and his foot is totally healed and whole. Wow. We have a God that does miracles. Let's stand together. Hey, I need all our prayer teams up here at the front. I need our prayer teams up in the bowl. And hey, the preachers preached a little long, but this is the main event right now. And this is where we're going to pray. The worship team is going to worship. We've, we've set aside another 20, 25 minutes here. We've got plenty of time uh, to minister to the Lord and to one another. And um, Joe and Yvonne Yuen have got a few words from God to activate us and to move. And as they share these words, we need you to move. Like if, if, if something stirs your heart, a need that they bring forward, then step out of where you are and come on. And these guys are going to pray for you up here or right there.